you need to know we i mean we exist we we exist and we need your prayers and we need cooperation because through our unity god able to change many things in this world welcome to baptist without an adjective a podcast of word and way I'm your host, Word and Way Editor and President Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. The country of Ukraine has been in the news quite a lot lately. Now, we're not going to be talking in this podcast about those issues, but I do want to talk about Ukraine, and I want us to hear from some Ukrainian Baptists. As we were preparing for the 100th episode recently, which I would encourage you to go listen to if you missed it, it's a lot of fun, I realized that in the first 99 episodes, we'd had guests from 21 different countries. But the country that we'd had the most guests from was Ukraine. And it wasn't intentional. I hadn't realized that that had happened. It's just I kept meeting Ukrainian Baptists and having opportunities to interview them for the program. But then I also realized the country that other Baptist leaders spoke about the most when I would ask questions like, hey, tell me about a couple countries that you've traveled to and what did you learn there? Well, the country that got mentioned the most was Ukraine. So I found that fascinating as I've been hearing all the conversations about Ukraine recently. And so I wanted to play a few clips from those earlier programs because I think it's really important that we make sure that it doesn't get lost in all of the political conversations that we're having in our country right now. There are real people involved, that the stakes are really high for real people, and some of them are our fellow Baptists, are our fellow Christians. That that seems like that's getting lost a lot as, as Ukraine is becoming a political football. And so as we hear conversations about aid being held or this and that, that we need to remember that there are real people involved on the other end of these conversations, that what our government in the United States does or doesn't do impacts the lives of real people, other parts of the world. And so as we seek to be on this program, Baptist without an adjective, crossing those national and those other lines that are dividing us, it's important to realize that, well, we're not U.S. Baptist over here and they're Ukrainian Baptist over there as if we're two different religious groups but rather that we are all Baptists. Some of us are Baptists who happen to live in the United States. Others are Baptists who happen to live in Ukraine. We are united by one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism. And so in this episode, we're going to recount a few of our earlier conversations with some little clips, and I hope that you'll find this helpful in reminding ourselves what really matters in all of these conversations. And that's the fact that there are real people that are impacted. One other quick note You'll hear me in the episode refer to Ukraine, not the Ukraine. At least I hope I don't mess up. 
And that's quite intentional. As I've been listening to the hearings, I've heard a lot of people refer to the Ukraine, and that's a problematic term. Ukrainians will refer to their country as Ukraine. The phrase the Ukraine really is historically outdated as it refers to a geographical area that was occupied by the Soviet Union. And thus that phrase also suggests a type of foreign occupation as opposed to Ukrainian self-determination. Words matter, and so I think it's important that we get it right. And so now let us hear from some Baptists from Ukraine. First, I want to play a clip from Andrei Hudakov, the Ukrainian Baptist pastor and church planter, heading back on episode 28 in September of 2018. I met Andrei when he was on the campus at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri. And one of the questions I asked him was to tell us about Baptist in Ukraine. So here's what he had to say. Well, in Ukraine, among Protestant believers, I think, as far as I know, the Baptists, they are the biggest group too. But as far as the whole nation, we are the minority, I would say, minimum minority. Uh, I, I will give you an idea. The city of Kiev has a 3 million population, officially. Unofficially, I'd say closer to 4 million, maybe, with those who come to study, to work. So for that number of people, as far as I know, there are about 30 Baptist churches with the entire number of believers, about 5,000. So you can add other evangelicals, I mean, charismatics, Pentecostals, all of them. I doubt that it will be more than 10,000 believers. Let's say 20,000 believers. For 3 million, that's not. Back in Poltava state, we used to have almost 2 million population, 1.800 million. So for that number, back in 1991, we would have only 20 Baptist churches for the whole state of Poltava. By the end of 2017, we planted 54 more churches, which ends up with 74, still 74 churches, Baptist churches, for 1,850 towns and villages. That's less than drop in the ocean. Plus, another side is in Ukraine, we have really strong Orthodox church influence, which is similar to Catholic. And so people would rather think of an Orthodox church as a church, and they would think of Baptists as a religious group. Some people say you are sect or cult, and that's why Baptists keep struggling with that. Later in the conversation, I asked Andre, how would he like Baptists in the United States to pray when we think of Ukraine and Ukrainian Baptists? Well, first of all, I'd like you to keep the political situation in prayer because of this war conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Because the war is going on, people keep being killed over there. Plus, on those territories that are occupied, our believers, they are experiencing a really hard time because just recently Russia issued a law which says that Baptists are, how to say, illegal. Yeah. Well, then I would like you to pray for youth of Ukraine because 
I think if we will be able to reach young generation, that means there is a future for Baptist churches in Ukraine, for any kind of church. And I would say that we need more people who would be committed, come like church planters, those who would be willing to step forward and to let God start using them in those places where there is no Baptist church. And of course, pray for God to keep spiritual freedom in Ukraine, because so far we've had an amazing opportunities to share the gospel. Well, please pray for our churches so that we would use this spiritual freedom properly, so that we would take everything possible out of this spiritual freedom. Because the clock is ticking, and we don't know how much time left. Now we're going to hear from Yelosi Pronin. He's another Baptist leader. He's teaches at a Ukrainian Baptist seminary. He's a church planter, and he used to pastor in eastern Ukraine, territory that is now occupied by Russian-backed separatists. Not only did they bring war to the region, they destroyed his church that he had pastored out there. But before we get to that part, I want to first play what Yelosi said when I asked him, what would you like Baptists in the U.S. to know about Baptists in Ukraine? And his answer well, it's really why we're doing this episode, that I think we've forgot that there are real people involved in these conversations. Because he said he wanted to make sure we know that they exist. Probably at first you need to know we, I mean, we exist. We, we exist and we need your prayers and we need cooperation. Because through our unity, God able to change many things in this world. And sometimes when, like you or me, we look local, I mean, we just look something around us, we can be disappointed because we cannot see how God works. But talking about Ukraine, I mean, I know many pastors from U.S., they discovered for themselves how God is working right now in different countries like Ukraine. And our cooperation and our ministry, it's not about Ukraine or U.S. It's expanding kingdom of God in this world. And I really invite you just be present in our ministry through your prayers through your support, through your knowledge about what's going on, through your participation in some of our projects. Just let's be together, let's be united, and all world would see God is working with us and through us. In the interview, I also asked Yelosei, how would he like Baptists in the U.S. to pray when we think of Ukraine and Ukrainian Baptists? And here's what he said. Probably the best or the most important thing, it's prayer, praying about peace for our country. Because of the war, we completely, I mean, people really depressed, people really disappointed, people destroyed by that war. And it's, it's impossible to start like new page in our history because of this war, it's still going on still going on and please pray about that and please pray about your government 
because we need support from your government also. Second thing, I would ask you, please pray about Ukraine and pray about our people and about our government because it's still, we still struggle with big corruption. And because of that corruption, many people, they suffer. And we, we need big changes in this way. And we feel ourselves completely helpless. It's really, really, really difficult. Only God able to change this situation. Please pray about that. And of course, please pray about ministry of our students and our Christians. That's really important because only through ministry, only through church, all changes are possible. Yelisei's personal story is particularly powerful. His ministry that he had in eastern Ukraine and all that he went through over the last five years with conflict and persecution and so here's him explaining a little bit of that from episode nine. I was born and grew up at the eastern part of Ukraine, Lugansk region. And at that moment, I was pastoring the largest church in Lugansk region in town Pervomysk. And we had more than 300 members and we were living church and very active church. We had a bunch of different ministries like rehab center, home small groups, teenagers programs, and many others. And we were really successful, and our life was, I would say, joyful. And we feel ourselves really, really well. But everything was destroyed in 2014 when the war came into our lives many buildings were destroyed by bombing and people they still mm, struggle with running water or electricity or natural gas and I mean it's still difficult but some people they still stay there because they do not have any chances to live in different place I mean some of them too old and are not able to work and make some money and maybe some other reasons. But our city, before war, we had more than 40,000 population. Right now, it's just maybe 5,000. Several months we worked at that war zone and we were trying to evacuate people at first from the war zone. At second, we organized several refugees camps and we provided for people place where they can sleep. We provided food, we provided uh, medicine or what, what do they need? And it was really tough time for all of us, but good thing was many people through circumstances of the war, they connected with Christians connected with us and through our testimonies they received Christ many of them became Christians some of them were baptized by me in September even and it's a good side of this story we'll be right back with the rest of this interview but first I need to let you know that this episode is also sponsored in part by Heartland Advocacy in Action a three-day event coming in February to help you become a more effective advocate with state and local government. It will be held at First Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri, 
February 8 to 10, 2020. It's a partnership event between CBF Global, CBF Heartland, ChurchNet, and Word and Way. The event will include practical training on how you can become a more effective advocate at both the local and state levels. And we'll be focusing a lot on issues like payday lending and church-state separation. It only costs $50, and that registration fee includes a copy of David Gushy's book, Moral Leadership for a Divided Age. Learn more at tinyurl.com slash heartlandadvocacy. And then join us February 8 to 10 at First Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri. That's tinyurl.com slash heartlandadvocacy. In addition to talking in our podcast about the war and how his church was destroyed, Yelisi has also written a book. It's called Chronicles of Undeclared War. You can find it in Amazon. And I would encourage you to pick it up. It's, it's raw, it's emotional, but he really outlines what he went through. And so here's a clip of me reading from that book in episode 22, an episode on religious freedom in eastern Ukraine, as he describes what war was like, and then some of his feelings and reactions after his church was destroyed by those Russian-backed separatists who had threatened him in his own life. The first thing I learned about war is that it is nothing like we see on television and in the movies. It is different. It is senseless, unjust, deceitful, cruel, and dastardly. Its ugly face cannot be put to words. It is indescribable. It can only be seen firsthand. Try to describe the trials of motherhood to a 10-year-old girl. Tell her of sleepless nights, childhood illnesses, first steps, first falls, pains and tears, worries and fears. She will nod, but will she really comprehend? That's how I feel when I talk to someone who has never seen war. Try closing your eyes and imagine that this war is not happening far away, but very close to you and your family. It is in your city. It is close to your home. It is on your street. It may be your neighbor's house. It may be your house. You have no electricity, no gas, no water, and no communication. Imagine what that means. You turn the light switch on, but it is still dark. Your cell phone hasn't been charged in weeks. You have no internet. You have no water. The heat is off and can't be turned on. You have no way to wash your face or hands, take a shower or flush your toilet. There is no water in the faucet or to even take a drink. You can't go buy supplies. All stores are closed. Pharmacies are closed. There is no food or medicine in the stores. Even if there were, you have no money. Yes, it really can happen. People wait days for a single loaf of bread as if it were heavenly manna. Looters are everywhere. Your heart aches. Your stomach feels as if someone punched it. Your kidneys hurt. You are wheezing like a broken accordion, but there is no medicine. An ambulance won't come. Imagine the hopelessness one feels knowing that no help will ever come. Beyond that, there is constant bombing. Solid brick houses shake from powerful explosions. Buildings bear the scars of shrapnel on their concrete walls, and you know that each mark could have been fatal. Fires burn so hot they melt metal. Direct hits from the shells scatter concrete and metal as if they were made of glass. You want to hide behind double walls or run into the basement, but you are horrified by the realization that if it is hit directly, nothing will save you. Not the wall, not this basement. Even at night, you cannot escape this dreadful war. Nightmares invade every night. You are jolted awake like a crazy man by loud explosions around you. Morning brings more shelling and your hope dies yet again. 
You cannot awake from this nightmare. It is reality. Getting out of the house is no comfort. Windowless homes look like faces without eyes, yet somehow still stare at the human bodies that lie dead in the deserted streets. Their blood stains the asphalt and wall, but that is not all. Your city is swarming with gorillas. Everywhere you look, they strut with guns slung across their bodies, carrying grenade launchers. Look at their eyes if you dare, and it's apparent they have no conscience, no principles, no morals, and no shame. They fearlessly cruise about the city in SUVs they took from local businessmen. They are proud of their machine guns. They are the new masters. They don't have to obey anyone. Your fate is in their hands. It is in their power to kill you or allow you to live. Their goal is to steal and to loot. They rape and enjoy forbidden pleasures. These are the new masters. This is their war. Peaceful residents, your neighbors, hundreds are hiding in the basements. It is dark and damp. Rats thrive on the trash and putrid air. Humidity makes your clothes stick to your body. Explosions above ground bring hysterics underground. Children cry and scream. Expectant mothers wail, and the elderly moan helplessly. These are war's ugly features. May God keep you from intimacy with this monster. Later, after Separatists destroyed the church he pastored, Delacy reflected, I am not a person given to exaggeration or exaltation of the significance of church buildings, but this building was for us a testimony of the zealous and hard work of many Christians. This building was the testimony of the presence of the church and God in our town. I feel unspeakable pain every time I am reminded of this tragic event. I am also reminded that God gives hope and God sends comfort. That episode in which I read from the book, episode 22, is a news episode focused on religious freedom issues there in eastern Ukraine. And during that episode, I provide quite a bit of details about some of the religious persecution that was starting and it has gotten even worse since then. As Baptist churches in the occupied territories, those regions occupied by Russian-backed separatists, that they are not even allowed to practice anymore. They've been shut down. Their, their church services are sometimes uh, interrupted. Their religious literature, including the Ukrainian Baptist magazine, have been confiscated. And so I'm going to play a clip now from... Igor Bandora from episode 22, he was speaking at the Baptist World Alliance's 2018 meeting in Zurich, Switzerland about what was about to happen. Um, these rules did go into impact last fall and the persecution that he was expecting was going to get even worse for those churches. August the 7th is deadline for our 43 churches. They will be completely out of the law and we assume persecution will come. But even now, some churches are under the persecution. Many more terrible things may come. But if we will keep our brothers and sisters there in our prayers and encourage them with our words of encouragement, I think it would be great help to them. Following Igor's presentation, Baptists were encouraged to write letters of encouragement to Ukrainian Baptists. The BWA collected those letters to send to our Baptist brothers and sisters in eastern Ukraine. Those present were also encouraged to write letters to the Russian embassy in their own nation to urge Russians to use their influence to ensure all churches and all places of worship remain open in the LPR. Additionally, one of the three resolutions passed during the BWA meeting addressed this topic. 
In the resolution, the BWA expresses concern that the situation for religious communities is precarious in the Luhansk region. The BWA says, This law violates universal human rights, restricts religious freedom, and threatens the existence of existing religious groups and organizational networks. The resolution also calls on the LPR to change its law to follow international agreements regarding religious freedom. Additionally, the resolution urges Russian and UN leaders to pressure LPR authorities to change the law. The resolution passed unanimously. Now, in addition to all of those conversations from Baptists in Ukraine, we've also had a number of other Baptist leaders who have talked about visiting Ukraine, particularly talked about visiting the gray zone near eastern Ukraine with the occupied territories and how profound that was of an experience for them. I'm only going to play a clip from one of them, but we also had, if you want to go back and hear the conversations, we also heard about visiting eastern Ukraine in episode 42 from Halalik of the European Baptist Federation and in episode 65 from Paul Masisa, president of the Baptist World Alliance. And then in episode 72, Elijah Brown, General Secretary of the Baptist World Alliance, talked about that same visit with Paul and Heli and the impact that that had as he saw both the difficulty and some of the, the ministry that was occurring there in that gray zone. There's two sets of stories here. One set of stories are the very real challenges that pastors and and others inside the occupied territories are facing on a daily basis. When we were there, we were very fortunate to have a group of pastors and church leaders from inside the two occupied territories, the Donetsk and the Lugansk regions, come over and spend an evening with us. And one of those leaders shared that the persecution that he as a church leader was facing today was worse than anything that he had experienced during the time of USSR communism. So that just gives us a little glimpse into the real challenges that inside the occupied territories many of our brothers and sisters are facing. And we've had ongoing updates since then. Just two weeks ago, we had a delegation of youth leaders, some of whom serve in that gray zone, visit us at our BWA headquarters in Falls Church, Virginia. And one of them was sharing, and we've since confirmed it with others, that there are currently three pastors who are incarcerated inside one of those occupied territories, and that one of the Baptist churches there was taken over just a month ago and is now being used as a government facility. So we need to continue to highlight these ongoing realities. Even inside the gray zone, there are many challenges. When we were there, the irony was that the UN Security Council was meeting those very same days and were voting, or in this case, not voting, to send peacekeepers and monitors of peace to that very gray zone. Thousands of bombs are continuing to fly over in that area. Fields have been laced with landmines. We visited a small rural hamlet where some of the elderly people described as they head, headed into the winter season, this winter, should we purchase coal to heat our homes or food to eat? Because it's going to be one or the other. In the older days, they said our men would go out into the the forest and they would collect wood to help in these difficult months, but those woods are now laced with landmines. 
And every year we lose one or two of our men, our sons, as they seek to go out and try to provide something in our desperate situation. So these stories are real and continuing. The second set of stories is about how the Baptist churches have sought to respond. And many of the Baptist churches have been very proactive in engaging the situation in creative and sustained ways, including in humanitarian aid. One of the churches there over these last four years has grown, for example, from 15 people to 120 people. They are seeing many, especially those from the occupied territories who have come over, find Jesus Christ for the very first time. One of the area leaders who's done so much incredible work, just to give you an example, they had received a small grant and they turned that grant in and they bought a bread producing factory. Now, it's very small. They, they only do a couple hundred loaves a day, but half of the loaves that they make, they give away to refugees for free. The other half, they sell to the local pre-existing community, and the proceeds from those sales are then going to help in church planting and church outreach efforts there inside the gray zone. And this pastor said, we are experiencing a second revival right now inside the gray zone, and we are really witnessing incredible actions of the Lord. And we wish that there were even more who are partnering with us right now, because this is a season of harvest. He then went on to say, we have heard it. Many people say that the church is sometimes only a mouth that speaks. Here in the gray zone, we want to be a church with hands and feet as we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. In that episode, Elijah also talked about the religious persecution that was occurring there in eastern Ukraine. This conversation happened earlier this year, and it's it's only gotten worse. But here's what he had to say about what was happening in eastern Ukraine when he and I had a conversation in April of 2019. It is a very complicated situation. Laws had been passed by those temporary governments really requiring all of the churches to register. And then some of the Baptist churches tried to register and were you know, sent on wild goose chases for paperwork, which always seemed to be missing. And so about a, about a month ago, the local government said that the registration process had been completed and that all those churches that had not registered would be shut down, their buildings would be forfeited to the government, and that those who continued to gather in homes and engage in worship were then doing so illegally. They have been, since that time period, just over these last you know three to four weeks since that time period, they have been pulling aside pastors. They'll often arrest them and hold them for I'm told five days, six days, seven days, and then release them. And then, you know, maybe wait another 10 days, see if they're still holding a worship service and then rearrest them for another week. It seems to be less about the arrest and more about ongoing intimidation. And it is a real opportunity for all of our church family to come together and to pray and to stand alongside them. And so I applaud the efforts of EBF. And really, the whole Ukrainian Baptist Convention have been very diligent in seeking to address these areas proactively. And while at the same time, across Ukraine, really seeing significant kingdom growth and kingdom engagement, really powerful works in their seminaries and in church planting efforts. And just just this last week, the Baptist World Alliance made a decision, and we've, we've contacted the Ukrainian Baptist Convention to send another $20,000, $10,000 of humanitarian aid and $10,000 to help with ongoing ministry, both of which are occurring inside the occupied territory. So 
we at the BWA will continue to remain engaged and call upon all of us to, to join with our brothers and sisters at this time. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. I know it was a little bit different, but as I said at the beginning, I think it's important that we make sure we remember what really matters and that there are real people involved. And that this is one of the ways that we become Baptists without an adjective. That when news is happening about country that might seem far away, that we remember first and foremost that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are living there in that country, that are impacted by what's happening. So if you missed these episodes and want to go back and hear them more, there were episode 9 with Yelitsy Pronin, episode 22 on religious freedom in eastern Ukraine, episode 28 with Andrei Hudikov, and then the conversations from Baptists who visited Ukraine, episode 42, Helalik, episode 65 with Paul Masisa, and episode 72 with Elijah Brown. You can find all of those episodes at podcast.wordandway.org or in iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there at iTunes or elsewhere, why don't you go ahead and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. If you have any comments or feedback, you can send them to me at bkaylor at wordandway.org. And if you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. All you have to do at wardenway.org is hit the donate button, and whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of our magazine, if you're not a subscriber, you're missing out on even more important news about Baptists in Ukraine, across the United States, and in many other countries. So just hit the subscribe button there at wardenway.org, and you can fix that problem. And I'd also, of course, like to thank our special partners for this week's episode... Robert Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net and the Heartland Advocacy and Action Conference at tinyurl.com slash heartlandadvocacy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>